Welcome to the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Here's your host, Dean Millard. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Depending on what time you are listening to this, I am just glad that you are. My name is Dean Millard, and welcome to the Cannabis 101 podcast, episode number six on this Wednesday, July 3rd. Belated happy Canada Day and early happy July 4th for our American listeners who probably are uh, cutting out of work already, uh, getting ready for the big festivities planned down below the 49th parallel. This is a fun educational and entertaining look and guide through the legalization of cannabis in Canada Canada and beyond. And our slogan is, it's not just about getting high, it's about getting healthy. We want to educate you and entertain you when it comes to this wonderful plant. We have a massive show uh, set up for you today. Some big news in the cannabis world that we'll get to in a second. And we will have part of the brains behind burnt designs in studio with us today. Simon Greganis is the co-founder and CEO and Darcy Vane is the vice president and we are giving away a prism pipe through social media. It's a very cool looking and functional pipe and we're going to find out all about the process. You know, how burnt became, how does it work from idea to store shelves? What's next on the horizon? They've got something really cool coming up for season two in December. The setbacks that they face, the successes that they have. This is a a local company that started here in Edmonton, is blowing up in the cannabis world internationally. See, as mentioned, we'll have a prism pipe to give away. And stay tuned for those details after our two-part interview with Simon and Darcy. The Cannabis Character Cup has begun. This is... A kind of a play off of uh, what we do every week, and we do a cannabis character every week on this show where we examine, um, you know, last week it was the godfather of cannabis characters, Tommy Chong. Uh, we've done the dude, uh, different things like that. So we're, we, we've devised the Cannabis Character Cup, and this is a 64-character tournament, head-to-head, single elimination matchups, as determined by your votes at the Cannabis 101 Twitter account. That is at the Cannabis 101. That is our Twitter account. That's where you go. You can go right now and you can vote on the first matchup. So how this works is we devised a 64-character tournament, single elimination, and we thought we'd have a play-in matchup last week when we announced this. And that was Brian Griffin from Family Guy up against Fritz the Cat. And you voted on Twitter, and it turned out that Brian Griffin was the winner. So he got to enter the tournament. And his reward for entering the tournament as the 64th seed is that he faces off with the godfather, the man, Tommy Chong, from Up in Smoke. His character was the man. Uh, Pedro Dapakis 
played by Cheech, is uh, the second seed. The Dude is the number three seed. And Jeff Spicoli from Fast Times at Ridgemont High is the number four seed. So the first matchup is Brian Griffin versus Tommy Chong. You can vote at the Cannabis 101 on Twitter. And I think this is going to be a bit of a slaughter. Uh, I don't foresee things going well for Brian Griffin in this matchup. Uh, Brian Griffin, by the way, is our cannabis character uh, feature today because I did not think he was going to uh, survive the matchup with Tommy Chong. So I thought, well, we better give Brian Griffin a little bit of love, as uh, they say. So, uh, so far, it's 81% Tommy Chong, 19% Brian Griffin. So, you know, that would, it would surprise me if Brian Griffin even had 15% or 10% of the vote uh, when this is done. No offense. I love Brian Griffin as a character, but he's facing the godfather, Tommy Chong. So that's the Cannabis Character Cub. You can find all of the details at deanmillard.ca and then click on Contests. And you can actually participate and win a prize through this contest, not just voting, um, but you could see the whole bracket at deanmillard.ca and hit the contest page. You can see the entire bracket there, who's going up against who. Make your prediction, and you could win a Cannabis 101 podcast prize package. So that's pretty cool. So you can check all of that out at the cannab- or at deanmillard.ca and click on contests. And uh, we, uh, if you make the prediction, you'll go into the draw with everybody else that predicted that. Like I'm predicting Tommy Chong. Uh, if there was 20 people that predicted Tommy Chong and he won, We'd all go into the prize package hat and a name would be drawn out and a winner would be chosen. So that's the Cannabis Character Cup. We will have a new matchup every day starting today until the tournament is over. So today it's Brian Griffin from Family Guy up against Tommy Chong who played the character Man in Up in Smoke. Uh, We're going to have What's That Strain today? San Rafael 71, and we are giving you the story behind 420. You know the term 420. Today you will hear the real story of 420 because it comes from San Rafael 71. We're doing Tangerine Dream and Pink Kush as the strains today. So Chris Ionson, our educator, will be by in just a little bit to give us some information on San Rafael 71, which is obviously got some pretty heavy credibility when you are the story behind 420. This week in cannabis news, uh, Bruce Linton, he is out at Canopy Growth and CBG making a big impression. So some big stories, especially the one on Bruce Linton uh, not stepping down. Uh, That was what it was said in the release. He has told a lot of people I was terminated. So that's a big name in the cannabis industry that is a free agent. And uh, we'll just throw it out there, Bruce, if, uh, if you ever want to talk cannabis, uh, the Cannabis 101 podcast would love to have you. Uh, I think he'll, uh, I've, I've talked to a few people and uh, from the impressions that I've, uh, I've had, uh, he'll end up uh, south of the border. A couple of things I want to tell you about, uh, if you might be interested in the Edmonton area, uh, there's something called Meat and Green happening on July 16th at the Pint. 6 p.m. in downtown Edmonton. It's being organized by Brad Ward. And this is an event that is going to be stimulating to cannabis users. A little bit uh, maybe out of the ordinary for the cannabis industry, maybe. But um, you you start 
with an idea and see where it grows. And I like what Brad is doing. So it's July 16th at the Pint at 6 p.m. Um, it's, you know, maybe you're into uh, the cannabis industry and you want to network. Maybe you want to meet new people that also enjoy the cannabis plant. And it's kind of a way to also shed the stigma a little bit as well. Uh, we are all trying to get rid of it, especially on this show. So it'll be interesting. Um, the Pint has given them a separate room to use. Uh, you can socialize, you can network, you can enjoy. Uh, this is your vision. You know, it's Brad's idea, but it's your vision. You come into it with what you want to get out of it and what you want to enjoy out of it. Um, obviously, there's no uh, smoking or vaping of the cannabis in the building, but how about this idea? Meet somebody, start up a conversation, continue that outside, enjoying the plant. That might be kind of cool. Go out and smoke a jay. So if you want information and you want tickets, you can find it on Eventbrite. You can find their Facebook page, which is Meet N Green. Meet, the letter N, Green. And the website, meetngreen.org, will be live at the end of the week. They're just uh, finishing up a couple of things. But if you're looking for tickets or more information, you can email brad at meetandgreen.org. That is brad at meetandgreen.org. Once again, Meet and Green, July 16th at the Pint in downtown Edmonton at 6 p.m. I'm going to attend. I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be a great place to meet new and uh, new cannabis enthusiasts and uh, some business leaders, hopefully, and it should be a lot of fun. So I mentioned earlier we're giving away a prism pipe from Burnt Designs on the show. Last week, we were lucky enough to have Nora Salem as a guest. She is uh, the owner of Bud and Bloom. And she was kind enough to give away a canna floral arrangement to one of our listeners. And congratulations to at Kathy A. Fabrice on winning a canna floral arrangement from Bud and Bloom. Check your social media page and uh, it should be the information will be there as Nora has already reached out. Nora did a really cool job of picking the winner on social media with a, a kind of a cool app. So congratulations to Kathy A. Fabrice, who is going to enjoy a beautiful can of floral arrangement from Bud and Bloom. This is the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. So we start every show with our cannabis question. And today, uh, I asked a while ago, do your kids know you consume? And because I have a lot of friends who love cannabis, uh, but haven't told their kids that they use it, which I find a little bit uh, strange. Uh, it is no different than you drinking a beer or a glass of wine in front of your kids, which a lot of my friends do. Uh, but yet, uh, now some of my friends are great with their kids and they explain to them about cannabis, which is exactly what you should be doing. So um, if you enjoy cannabis and you haven't told your kids that you use it, you probably should. Opens up the communication line and let's get rid of the stigma. Like if you enjoy cannabis, you should be for getting rid of the stigma. But the question today is not about your kids. It's about your parents. When and how did your parents find out you smoked weed? Or do they know? I have uh, friends who uh, still haven't told their parents as well. So I want to know from you, 
when and how did your parents find out you smoked weed? Uh, send me a tweet at the cannabis one Oh one. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram at the cannabis one Oh one podcast. Check out at the cannabis one Oh one podcast on Facebook. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, uh, if you think you might make a good guest on the show, if you have some ideas or some feedback, we would love to hear from you. You can email us cannabis one Oh one podcast at gmail.com. That's cannabis one Oh one podcast at gmail.com and all of our information and past shows can be found at www.cannabis101podcast.ca. So that's all the ways that you can get in touch with us, but uh, send me your story of uh, how or when your parents found out uh, you smoke weed or smoked weed, uh, whatever the case may be. So for me, um, I started, the first time I used uh, cannabis when I was, uh, was about 15 years old, and I don't recommend anybody starting at 15. You should wait till you're a little bit older. But I did. Uh, I was on uh, vacation uh, with a friend um, who was older, and uh, we used cannabis. Uh, I smoked some weed. We he actually we, we used like the it was terrible the old tin can, poke holes in it, and it was just it was awful. Anyway, that's when I started. Um, you know, my dad has said he knew something was up after that trip. I don't know whether that's true or not, but uh, I used cannabis um, infrequently uh, from from those years until I was into my uh, early twenties. And at some point I had told my dad that, I, yeah, I've tried uh, cannabis uh, when I was in my 20s or early 30s. And keep in mind, this was um, you know, almost 20 years ago now when obviously it wasn't legal. But uh, the, when my, my dad first actually physically saw me, it was in 2013. I was on a break from work. I'd had a, uh, uh, some serious mental health issues, and so I was on uh, leave. And... Um, it was right around my birthday and my dad thought it was a good idea to show up and surprise me for my birthday, which it really wasn't because I was not in a good uh, mental state really for uh, visitors. But he was concerned about my health and his heart was obviously in the right place. Anyway, he surprised my wife as well. Uh, she was laying down for a nap. I was in my office. This is a different location than where we live now, not the studio I have now. And I was using my Silver Surfer vaporizer. And my dad walks in. Somehow, uh, my father-in-law had picked him up at the airport. This was the surprise. Dropped him off at our place. So he got into our, our actual condo by himself and just walked in and opened the door. As I'm mid-pulling on the Silver Surfer vape. Shocked and surprised, obviously. And uh, basically, I just said, uh, well, I, I guess you know I smoke weed. And that was it. And, you know, my dad hasn't always been the most understanding uh, when it comes to it. I hope uh, his attitudes are changing now that there's legalization and, and hopefully he'll, you know, hear and read and learn some of the benefits of it because I think uh, CBD, and we're going to talk about CBG a little bit later on in the program, um, but just some of the things that can really, really help as uh, people get older, in my opinion. So that was how my parents uh, found out how I smoked weed. My mom, uh, unfortunately passed away when I was 94 or when she, sorry, in 1994. Um, but I'm sure she had her suspicions up until then that I, uh, would use cannabis every once in a while. So that was our cannabis question. I'd love to hear from you. How did your parents find out, uh, and when that you smoked weed? So for me, that was about, uh, six years ago. So I was still in my late thirties before my parents actually found out, or my dad actually found out that I smoke weed. Give me a shout on a shout out on Twitter at the cannabis one Oh one. 
and tell me how or when your parents found out you smoked weed because there's probably some awesome stories out there of uh, a dad saying, oh, you smoke weed? Let's go do one right now. And that's, uh, that's kind of the cool thing about uh, some parents that are uh, very accepting of it and understand it or use it themselves. So our cannabis question, how and when did your parents find out you smoked weed? This is the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. So before we bring in our two outstanding guests from uh, Burnt Designs, Simon Greganis and Darcy Vane, uh, we want to go with what goes well with. And this is simply a segment where I talk about things that I enjoy doing while consuming cannabis, whether that's smoking a joint, an edible, uh, an oil, whatever it is. And I'd love to hear from you as well at the Cannabis 101 on Twitter. Anything that pairs well with cannabis. So we've talked about music, uh, walking, hiking, camping, things like that. Uh, today I'm going with reading. And I, 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 some people, when they find out, like I, I would used to love to uh, smoke a joint and uh, go and read a fiction book. Or a history book. I love history. And people always be like, well, don't you forget things? I'm like, well, no. Uh, and if I do, what was I saying? I'm just kidding. If I do, I can always just go back and reread it. It's not that uh, difficult. And I actually find I in, ingest the information a little bit differently when I'm uh, consuming cannabis. Uh, when I'm reading, um, I, I find... My focus is actually better. Uh, and so I love retaining the information that I'm getting. And like I said, I can always go back and do it. So I love a great book um, or, or a great book on uh, like a historical book or an autobiography. Uh, at the same time, I am consuming. Smoke a joint, read a book, uh, especially camping. Um, it all goes together well with cannabis. So tell me what you pair well with cannabis and uh, we can discuss down the road. Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Really excited to have the brains behind Burnt Designs in studio today, at least part of it anyway. I know it's a, a big team, but uh, this is an interview I've been looking forward to doing for uh, quite a while since we launched this podcast. Uh, we have uh, Simon Greganis, co-founder and CEO, and Darcy Vane, the Vice President of Burnt Designs in studio. Gentlemen, thank you so much for making your way out to uh, St. Albert. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having us. us. In studio, that was good. That was impressive. <laughs> um, this is a good story, uh, and it's a local story in our backyard that is growing uh, uh, to international proportions, I think it's safe to say. Uh, so, Simon, let's start with how Burnt Designs began. How did this uh, uh, cool company come to be? Yeah, for sure. So, uh, originally, it actually became uh, kind of from my experience as a medical cannabis user, and, and how it came to be was was stemmed from that experience. So, 
uh, you know, about four or five years ago now, uh, I was in a motorcycle accident uh, and hit my head on the pavement, suffered from post-concussion syndrome. Uh, and that had uh, a really negative impact on, in terms of, you know, the, the symptoms uh, after the fact that I experienced. So a big part of that was, was migraines. Um, so I was uh, getting my treatments, seeing my neurologist and so on. And, and he had recommended medical cannabis as an alternative to some of your more traditional medications uh, that, you know, were riddled with quite a few side effects that would affect your day-to-day life. And, uh, you know, I had been a recreational cannabis user for longer than I care to admit, and uh, I never looked at it uh, through the lens of, you know, the medical scope. Um, and from that perspective, you know, medical cannabis did wonders for me. Um, so both on the CBD front, as well as uh, the THC being able to aid in, in sleeping and offsetting some of those migraine S symptoms. Um, and that was really where I, I dove into uh, kind of ancillary products and, and cannabis hardware, if you want to call it that, everything from you know, your traditional pipes and bongs all the way down to vaporizers. Um, and, and I really focused on it more. So kind of during the young age, I'm sure everyone, you know, owned their own two and a half foot skull shaped <laughs> bong and everything. Um, but that didn't really fly uh, kind of during the later years when I would have, you know, families and friends and guests over and, and really have to integrate cannabis into, you know, my daily life. And, uh, you know, the stigma behind it, you know, it's still strong, but it was even stronger, you know, uh, five years ago. So, uh, you know, th- that's really how the, the Burnt Designs vision or, or kind of story came to be was um, creating these accessories that, uh, you know, aided in this destigmatization of the product category. So not necessarily even cannabis as a whole, but, you know, there, there is a strong stigma associated with, with the products themselves. So like when you say the bong, uh, sorry, when you say the word bong, what's, the, you know, the first thing you think of? It's not, you know, anything artful or tasteful or, uh, or, or great looking, right? Like for the mass market or the mass population, you're not thinking of, you know, a hand glass blown um, bong that, you know, has has care and, and uh, time spent. It's, it's really just your kind of generic skull bong that I had mentioned that you would see on in the window of a head shop. So uh, Burn Designs really aimed to fill that gap. And that was kind of really the, the start of our journey. And we uh, aimed to develop these accessories that'd be seen more as, you know, home decor, if you want to call it that, or uh, a more creative design first approach to uh, the category of cannabis accessories for for flower consumption. So obviously, prior to uh, the second uh, announcement of wave of legalization, uh, our, our products were mainly focused around flowers. So everything from storage to preparation to uh, combustion and so on. So that's really where, uh, you know, kind of our story started and and where our team kind of uh, began. And, and Burnt Designs was the first brand we brought to life. So being able to build out that that uh, that product catalog and bring on the the right partners and investors and, and the right retailers as, as well, all uh, kind of on board with our vision to, to bring the company to life and then also uh, look for uh, where we're expanding in the future as new product forms come online. So that's it's interesting. Was this um, you were at U of A when when this was going on? What what's your background? What were you taking at uh, University of Alberta? Yeah, uh, so I was actually uh, in the marketing program at the U of A, um, and it was in my last year of the program that uh, I decided to pursue this full time um, and left the U of A. Uh, it was. You know, one semester left and decided to leave. It was my my second round of education. I was doing my Bachelor of Commerce. I studied medicine at uh, Western University and then uh, three years of medical school in uh, in Europe as well uh, before making the switch over to business. So I uh, just felt it was it was the right uh, vision to pursue and the uh, and and the right kind of transition or path forward. 
um, some of my kind of more professional experience. After my time in, in Europe, I uh, worked at TD Canada Trust. Um, so started uh, kind of just in their uh, commercial banking sector, moved up into marketing, and then I was uh, a manager of uh, consumer insights. So I oversaw the brand and marketing initiatives from um, kind of a, a data and analytics perspective for TD Canada Trust here in Canada, as well as TD America's most convenient bank down in the States. So that's really what kind of gave me that knowledge set for uh, being able to position burnt appropriately in the competitive landscape here in Canada, as well as the US, and, and really drive that forward as, uh, you know, a brand for and product first company so not just um you know diversifying into all lengths actually having you know our core focuses uh built into you know the initial inception of the company awesome uh darcy let's chat about uh, you know where you kind of came into the picture and uh joining this company how did you end up with burnt yeah i uh i had the fortune of meeting simon and, and Paige um in the early days of starting off the nova cannabis uh chain <clears throat> and just really loved everything that they were all about um, you know, the dedication to beautiful products, uh, you know, great customer service, uh, a great bunch of people. And so as my journey continued, we, we had a, a chat uh, at a certain point in time last year and, and you know, th- th- considered, you know, what a relationship would look like going forward. And in uh, January, we, we kind of inked that deal and I joined uh, the Burnt team to, to lead out the, the new Form Factors uh, products that are coming out this December. So it was, it was by happenstance, uh, or happenstance, I guess you could say. Uh, and it's, it's been a great journey so far. I mean, there's tons of challenges in bringing new products to life, but uh, the team that's around it has been great and supportive and, and we're, we're really, you know, kind of firing on all cylinders right now. Yeah, I think this... Uh the, the company is, uh, I think, on a lot of people's minds right now uh, with the, the design, the functionality, and we're going to get into a lot of that uh, with some of the products as I look at the uh, hexagon sitting out there. It's, uh, I, I love it. I, I once had a friend of mine, uh, and I'm bar- embarrassed to say this, describe my bong as a pot of coffee. And that's how gross it was. And I was, you know, I was like a lot of people, I didn't, I thought um, cannabis was give me my $50 bag and I'm going to go get high when I was younger. And then I, like you, I started exploring it um, when it comes to, uh, you know, helping me. I have depression and anxiety and I use a lot of uh, cannabis, uh, use, uh, use cannabis for a lot of that. So anyway, I never thought about the uh, benefits of anything with cannabis other than getting high as, as a younger person. And when he described the, my bong as a pot of coffee, I thought, okay, this is not good when people are saying that. So with this hexagon, I, you know, I clean it religiously. I take care of it. It's like a member of my family right now, almost. <laughs> uh, so I, I love the functionality and we're going to get into a lot of that, but you know, what was the, you have a team and you kind of started this, uh, with a, a group of, uh, people, um, and, and maybe you can, uh, tell a little bit, tell us a little bit about that. And also the kind of the reaction of people when you told them what you were doing and maybe has that stigma lessened as you've noticed with legalization? Yeah, for sure. So, uh, I guess the, the first piece is, uh, just touching on the point around the team, uh, a big focus was, uh, kind of being able to complement, uh, my skill set as kind of a marketer and a designer. Um, my, some of my family's experiences, specifically my mom's was, uh, creating fashion labels, um, both in Lithuania and Europe. Uh, she also had her line in, in Toronto. So kind of featured in Toronto fashion week back in the, 
kind of the later 2000s, so kind of 09 to 2011. Uh, so I was always exposed to, to design through through many lenses, uh, both kind of everything from architecture to fashion. So uh, I brought that skill set to the table, but what I didn't have was uh, kind of manufacturing supports, relations, quality control, quality assurance, uh, your traditional CAD drafting as well, that you need to you know bring some of these concepts and visions to life. And that's really where, where Andrew Feltham came to the table. So uh, he was uh, a, a mechanical engineer out of the U of A. Um, so had, you know, a, a broad expertise on, on both working in the oil and gas industry here in Alberta, um, as well as kind of a, a, a more agile skill set to, to actually handle life in a startup. Obviously, it's a little bit faster, faster paced than your traditional uh, corporate uh, sector, uh, especially oil and gas. And, and, and that was a big focus for our team was being able to, to bring that vision to life and, and execute upon it and, and, and bring the hexagon to life, most importantly, which was kind of our first product that got us going uh, through a crowdfunding platform. A platform on our own website, right? So, uh, when that was really uh, the the ensemble of our team, uh, Paige Hodgins joined not n- not long after that. So her experience was more so on the business development side, operation side. Uh, her most relevant experience prior to joining Burnt was uh, at Dow AgroSciences. Um, so handling uh, their account relationships both in Alberta and Saskatchewan um, and understood kind of the, the supply chain and the logistics side uh, a lot better than Andrew and I did to uh, be able to work with our, our manufacturers and keep quality as high as possible and just make sure that we're delivering um, you know the best kind of customer service and the, the best experience kind of post-purchase for the user as well. Um, so you, you kind of mentioned the second point there, and that was the point that I kind of laughed about, and it's... Uh, you know, what did people think of me when I told them that, you know, hey, uh, I basically started a bong company initially. And uh, I can tell you the it was it was very negative, uh, both in the cannabis industry and outside of the cannabis industry. Really? And uh, people were negative in the cannabis industry because we weren't an LP. Um, and it was like, well, you know, the, the, the time and the hype prior to legalization was all, you know, grow focused. And after legalization, it was all retail focused. So because we didn't fit into this cookie cutter definition of like, hey, we're just doing a grow or hey, we're a processor or an extractor or a retailer, uh, we kind of got brushed off by a, a, a lot of the members of the industry, obviously not everyone, you know, we, we still had a great collaboration with Tweed and Canopy when we designed a collection for them. Uh, we did a lot of work with Meta on their stores in Manitoba. We have another collaboration coming online at the end of the year. So it's not to say, you know, it, that was the perception across the industry, but there was a lot of uh, individuals that because we didn't fit into your traditional categories, um, didn't see us as not necessarily a threat or a competitor, but just as kind of an, e- an equal in the industry or an equal in the space. And that, that kind of made it... Uh, you know, it, it basically added fuel to the fire uh, in terms of being able to build upon that and, and continue to execute upon our vision and build out our customer base across Canada. And, you know, we're, we're roughly carried at 140 stores across the country now. So really just, you know, continuing to develop out products and, and develop out those strong customer relationships was a huge focus to, to build out our own name for ourselves and and really drive that focus of being, you know, hardware focused. You know, we're, we're not a grower. We're not an extractor. We have the right partners and relationships to be able to do those capabilities. But at the end of the day, our skill set is hardware focused, right? If it be um, vaporization technology all the way down to your traditional accessories for flower consumption, it's we want to thrive in the area where users are at that final point where they've purchased that, that cannabis or that extract or whatever it is, and they're looking for um, the newest, best way to consume it, either from an aesthetic standpoint or from a functionality standpoint. 
to kind of jump back to my uh, the point that I began with there, I, I kind of d- dove into the conversation of how it was within the industry, outside of the industry. Uh, let's just say cannabis, first of all, anytime you'd bring that up, uh, there'd always be the, uh, you know, the, the widening of the eyes and, and followed by a suite of questions on if we're legal or not legal and how legal are you and what's going to happen with the industry. Even, uh, what was it, six weeks ago, maybe I was asked that, oh, well, uh, depending on who comes into parliament, do you think they're going to flip over legalization again? Yeah, I'm like, yeah. you know, get rid of all that money that's being made. <laughs> exactly. Ca- cannabis is here to stay, whether you like it or not. And, you know, the amount of arguments I've had with, uh, with, you know, everything from family members to friends being like, well, uh, you know, alcohol is a safer alternative. And it's like, <laughs> you know, cannabis at least has some medical benefits, right? There's obviously a lot of work to be done on the study side of things for uh, specifying the actual correlation of some of those effects or reduction in effects. But, you know, alcohol is fully recreational, right? <laughs> Uh, and and that's the constant battle or the constant conversation of I'm, I'm sure many of other people in the industry have experiences is, is telling um, their networks that they've made this transition to cannabis and it, it probably wasn't the easiest conversation I'd say it's it's gone a little bit easier now you know being over six months kind of past legalization um, and it I'm, I'm sure it'll continue to be easier as the industry grows and kind of continues to normalize as well and retail plays a bigger presence in some of these larger markets and provinces as well but uh it's just it's just not there yet uh people aren't really fully grasping the the nature of the understanding of like what legalization actually brought to the table and if you know companies are still operating in this you know illicit market and so on well i'll say this uh early obstacles are not the worst thing. Uh, Michael Jordan got cut from his high school team, and maybe you guys, with those early obstacles, will become the Michael Jordan of the uh, the cannabis industry. And, and motivation is a wonderful thing. When somebody tells you you can't do it, for some people, that's the switch that goes on. And uh, I, really, I really love that. So, Darcy, what kind of expectations did you have uh, when you came on board and did you ever, because I think you guys have absolutely blown up. And, you know, did you think it would go this fast? Uh, I, I knew it would go fast. I, I don't think I could ever count it going going this fast. Um, you know, coming on t- to join the team, it was really, you know, we, we had some ideas of what was coming up next, uh, you know, where the opportunities, you know, looked, you know, looked to be ready for October, December this year. Um, and then one, one of the things that, you know, I guess it was part of my expectation, but just seeing the, the team work to this is, is just the discipline and focus that it, that it brings um, to picking a lane and sticking to it. Um, you know, the, so I was pleasantly surprised to see the focus and discipline in a, in a startup uh, coming from, you know, more, more corporate backgrounds. Because uh, quite often you, you get shiny object uh, <laughs> syndrome where, you know, oh, let's look at this today and this today. But this, you yeah. know, so. Th- I know exactly. About <laughs> yeah. <that. laughs> so, um, so joining the team, it was just really impressive to see, you know, the research and the validation and, you know, where we didn't know things, there was a concerted effort to go and find the answers awesome. to those things. Um, and those answers often changed. You know, I think this, this whole industry needs a, a book of truths, <laughs> uh, you know, to come out at some point. Um, however, you know, from, from that running, you know, standpoint into looking at what the next level of, or the next uh, stage of legalization looks like with extracts and, uh, you know, edibles coming on board in December was, you know, was fascinating. And, and it keeps proving, you know, every day you, you think you know a little bit more and, and you go home, you know, knowing a little bit more, but also with a, with a lot more questions. So, you know, the pace has been 
excellent. Uh, you know, there's always setbacks along the way, but you know, for a large part, it's been full tilt ahead. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just, it's been a, a blast up until now and there's going to be a lot more coming down the pipe soon. I just love being involved in something and, and I'm on the, the periphery as, as doing a podcast. I don't have a, 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 well, I guess it is a cannabis-based business because it is a, a podcast, but it's just amazing to see how this is growing. And like I said, I just started this uh, in late May, uh, so I wasn't involved uh, from October, but just getting involved at the point I am. It's so neat to see every day there's new things. And now, you know, there's so much talk about CBG now and, and people hear about CBD and they're, they're getting to know those and the, the, the exploration of the plant is going to be ridiculously awesome once we really dive in and find out all, all the great benefits. Um, so I guess it, it, I'll just open whoever wants to dive in for these questions, but how does the process work for you guys uh, from an idea? Like, uh, let's take like the, the hexagon uh, where you, was it sitting around one night thinking there's got to be a better bong? And then so from, how does it work from the idea to the design to the production? You know, peel back the, uh, the curtain a little bit and, and uh, give us the, the behind the scenes look of how a product goes from idea to store shelves. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, I guess to, to start, it's, it's, it's very different depending on, uh, I guess the level of, of detail or complexity, uh, in the product itself. Obviously you can look at it in terms of even just a part list itself. Um, so the hexagon, if you're counting out the number of components that come to it, that would add to kind of what that design process looks like. And, and the reason I touch on that is, uh, obviously the hardware that we're developing out for, for December of this year, um, and and the journey to get that that I'm sure Darcy can speak to uh, is is a little bit more intricate than kind of what you'd see on the the burnt design side of things when you start looking at uh, you know smart technology essentially. Uh, but I'll, I'll I'll start with uh, kind of the burnt designs brand, and with burnt designs, it's it's a pretty streamlined process now where it it really starts from selecting the product category. So either the product category that you know we're seeing from our distributor Humble and Fume that we're uh, getting a lot of requests for on on social. Obviously we're we're a big uh, you know or a big digital play. Um, you know Instagram is is really where we thrive as well as you know Twitter, Facebook, all all kind of the traditional norms. So if we're getting you know a lot of requests or a lot of feedback from our users on you know certain features, certain amendments, or certain new products. We'll we'll take that all into account along with doing you know some market research so uh for example we had some uh pop-ups running throughout the the month of may at many of our retailers so it was a great time to actually speak to the user base of the people that are actually in the dispensaries and see what they want to see for uh consumption of a flower at the end of the day so uh that's really always where it begins is is the market research and getting the the, the relevant data and actually speaking to the end user i think that's that's where a lot of you know product driven companies fail at the end of the day is as they continue to grow and so on it's it's more so about the you know the profitability or the revenue that you get or what your partners want to see um, and, and we've tried to uh, always keep kind of our, our eyes set on on the user of the the product so from that point usually we can select you know hey what is this next product that we're developing or what's the product category we want to develop or fill or whatever that case may be um, the next step usually goes still to myself um, regardless of, of how many people we have on our team um, I, I really, really do enjoy that design aspect. I'm sure eventually I'll have to let go of it and, and not do it myself. But um, to this date, I've, I've still done all the, the design work on, on all our current products. So uh, I'm, I'm not a traditional uh, pen to paper guy. Uh, I'm, I'm a huge lover of my iPad Pro and my uh, Apple Pencil. It's probably all I use for, for notes to meetings to design to everything in between. 
So it helps with, uh, you know, the appropriate sketching and drawing and like 3D landscapes and so on. And uh, I, I draw a lot of inspiration from uh, from architecture specifically. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, home decor and architecture features and elements that kind of give rise to a lot of the geometric shapes that you'd see in our products. A lot of kind of the, the flow or the symmetry or, or asymmetry, depending on the product's case, like the prism versus the hexagon, um, that, that kind of give it the feel both in your hand as well as uh, allow it to deflect light uh, and give it kind of that sheen or that shine as kind of a more contemporary piece or, or a mo more modern take on that cannabis accessory. So uh, from that point, um, that's really what leads from, you know, the product category selection to general design is, is looking for where is that inspiration. So I spent a lot of time in, uh, my first language is actually Lithuanian. Uh, my whole family's from Lithuania, so uh, it borders the Baltic Sea. Uh, so a lot of time in kind of Scandinavian countries. So, uh, you know, a, a, a big inspiration drawn from uh, from kind of Sweden, Norway, Lithuanian architecture, um, as well as drawing from uh, from Japan. Uh, I, I don't know why. I've always just had uh, you know a, a certain kind of favoritism, I guess, towards uh, kind of more traditionalist Japanese architecture, and that's where you see some of the the product names like the yaketa, which means burnt in Japanese, um, as well as uh, kind of the the wood accents and, and aesthetic that you would see behind that. So it's always on the hunt of kind of what's what's that inspiration or uh, where can we take uh, kind of a more traditionalist tone and, and kind of convert that more to, I guess, the burnt style, if you want to call it that. Um, from that point, after the design work's been completed, uh, we have uh, both Andrew as well as some other uh, industrial designers work through kind of some of the CAD designs, uh, some of the CAD work. Obviously, we use solid works, uh, just like you know, 99% of the world right now for product design uh, for our engineered platform. Uh, then everything from you know your tech drawings and and getting samples through and done, uh, working with our relevant manufacturers. Um, so we have uh, both our partners uh, that are ISO certified auditors. So from a quality assurance, quality control perspective, ensuring that, you know, the products are, are, are food safe and that the glaze is safe, uh, make, overseeing the manufacturing process and making sure that that first run of samples um, is, you know, to the highest degree. Uh, you get those samples, then you go into, you know, the fun part, uh, which we we tend to get the majority of our staff involved in, which is product testing. Um, everyone can kind of take away the product, uh, use it themselves, get some feedback together, uh, get some edits together, not just on the design side, but this is where, you know, functionality uh, comes to play. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of elements that you're able to kind of tackle just through, you know, your, your general engineering concepts, um, as well as uh, kind of early design stages. But at the end of the day, it still comes down to actually using it and, and seeing what that response is. Uh, after we kind of gather that, that centralized feedback, uh, our product team takes that back to the manufacturer and the auditors, and we work through all those remaining edits, get a last run of samples done, and then really move into uh, manufacturing production. So depending on what the material is, like if it's concrete, ceramic, wood, uh, whatever the case may be, or, or some of the glass ancillary products, uh, it's just working through getting those first production runs done and, and, and getting that uh, to, to our warehouse here in Edmonton. Uh, on, on the packaging side of things, um, I think one of our biggest focuses has been really kind of just demystifying uh, cannabis accessories. And, you know, for maybe 80% of people that might not be relevant, they'll know how a bong works and how to assemble it and put it together or how to clean a pipe. Uh, but that was, you know, uh, something that, that we noticed in kind of the headshot market is that a lot of the accessories and products you were purchasing, you know, there, there was no customer service info that or if there was, they didn't answer. Uh, there was no instructions on how to maintain it, clean it, how to even put it together. If, if you're buying a bong for the first time, how are you supposed to know where the downstem goes and like what you actually clean and how? 
Uh, some people know that you use ISO and other people don't. And, and there's just this whole mix. And, and we really put that as a priority in packaging design. So the insert cards that we include and, and kind of the, just the, the aesthetic of the packaging, just making it um, as simple as possible and really just simplifying the, 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 the consumption experience for your traditional user base here in uh, the Canadian market, the U.S. market, obviously, as well. Uh, so we, we really look at it as, you know, a full user journey. So just like I just kind of explained our, our product journey for, for a customer, it's, it's how do you discover our brand or, or, or burnt designs as a whole? You know, is it through digital? Is it in a, you know, a retail front all the way down to, you know, the, the unboxing experience is, is a really important metric for us to, you know, the first time you use the hexagon all the way to um, the future and, and subsequent uses as well. Where did the name burnt come from? Yeah, that's that's it's it's an interesting question. It was uh, it's it's not an acronym. First of all, uh, you know, a, a, a lot of people ask that. Uh, I I think it was just really playing off of uh, the con the combustion space, and that was kind of really uh, my experience as cannabis was a lot more combustion driven and a lot more traditionalist in a sense. So I guess it was uh, a juxtaposition on uh, you know a more modern take or contemporary take on a traditionalist method of consuming it. Um, we're we're going to continue to take the keep the burnt name across our new sub brands that we're bringing online towards the end of the year uh, and and kind of stay true to uh, kind of just the the play on words there uh, in a sense that you know you obviously uh, burn cannabis and and that is still you know I guess the the purest approach to it that's really where uh, you know you might not be tasting all the terpenes and so on based on the the temperature combustion I'm sure all the, all the big vape users are gonna hate me for saying that but <laughs> at the end of the day there's just something about you know taking the bud and holding it and grinding it and it's a, it's a lot more of a personal aspect um, where vaporization extracts and so on is, is kind of out of your hands but uh, not to say that you know one's better than the other uh, they just target very different demographics so uh kind of burnt initially came to be uh just playing on that more traditionalist approach and being able to redefine that category itself very cool so darcy anything new uh whether it's a business an idea there are setbacks um, we're seeing it in the new legalization there have been you know setbacks with uh, uh supply and they're, they're they rectify that but um, what are some of the setbacks? Everybody goes through them. Uh, did you guys, uh, have you guys, uh, and, and how do you deal with those? Uh, how do you not get so down when something doesn't work? Like I, I've, I've tried to set up my podcast studio here and I've almost thrown some of the equipment out the window a couple of times. Uh, how do you deal with those setbacks and, and move forward, uh, knowing that at some point it's going to work? Yeah, I think, you know, uh, it, it, all, it starts right at the beginning of, of the project and of the idea is recognizing that you are going to have uh, have to overcome hurdles. You just don't know where and when they're going to going to be. So what we found, you know, has worked really well with the team is, you know, the, the team understands that we've got a vision of bringing a product to market in December. Um, and our, you know, our electrical engineers and our mechanical engineer support and our software support all understand that that's what we're moving towards. And, and and that's you know that's a big component of of bringing the new products to life that you know for our for our digitally uh, enabled vaporizer product that's coming out you know in December um, that we can talk a little bit more about when uh, you know we've had setbacks you know from miscommunication simple miscommunication where some of our partners thought that you know we it would be okay for us to be in market in March um, you know so then we had to realign around that vision of we have to be ready for October now now it's December but it's really kind of you know focusing in on that and and ensuring that the team has the right support in order to to hit those uh, to hit those milestones and targets 
you know, we, you try and plan out as best as you can, you know, you have your project plan and it, it looks great week by week. Um, it looks like everything's moving along until <laughs> something, you know, uh, shows up that wasn't supposed to be there. Um, and then you just have to reorient and, and recognize, you know, is it a big problem? Is it a, a medium problem? Or is it a small problem? Um, a lot of sleepless nights though, go into even some of those small, small problems, um, you know, recognizing, you know, things that, may have been, you know, an oversight uh, and then figuring out, okay, how do we implement that, you know, in a very rapid way. So I think, you know, like one of the recent, um, you know, setbacks that we had was simple logistics on delivering a prototype. You know, it seemed like a simple thing um, and it kind of bites you, you know, bites you in the back end of it. You kind of have to go with the flow and recognize that, you know, a lot of, in a lot of traditional industries, I think you'd look at a product development cycle of being 12, 18, two years, 18 months, two years out, and we're trying to do this and we're going to do it in, in nine months. So with, you know, with, when you take a rapid uh, approach and a, you know, kind of a structured approach, um, you just have to be really adaptable and, and ready for change. And, and, you know, I think those are the only ways that you can overcome the setbacks and the motivation to do it. You know, I think there's a lot of difference why, you know, why people do certain things, you know, for jobs or bringing new products to life. But sometimes it's just a matter of, you know, to that point of motivation of, well, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, actually we can. So, you know, a lot of it's just a, a test of that and just kind of balancing back on that one. Um, you know, more so in the past, I probably would have gotten a little bit more emotionally attached to it. Uh, but now it's, you know, when you, when you come to a setback, it's, you know, it's like, okay, I've been on this planet for long enough now knowing that things don't always go to plan. It's just how do you react and, and how do you deal with it and how do you push forward with it? Um, you know, and having the team's understanding and support around, you know, when things don't go right and, and having the right people at the, you know, on, on the team to say, well, what if we try this? And, and being open to new suggestions that may come from unfamiliar, unfamiliar sources. Well, it's, it's interesting. You're, you, you mentioned, you, you know, this is a nine-month as compared to a 12 to 18 month yes. uh, stretch that you guys are doing. And while you're, you're rapidly doing it, you also have the, have to have patience. So it's kind of, it's like hurry up and wait sometimes, right? Like we want to get to that finish line as fast as possible, but we have to be patient with the process. Yeah. Being true to the process is, is so important. Um, in just about anything that, 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 uh, that we do in business. Uh, I come from a ma uh, background in management consulting and, and a lot of it was, okay, we'll get us to the answer really quickly. And sometimes you have to be true to the process and understand that there's, there's reasons that we, we may not fully understand going through the process of why it has to be that way. Um, but to deliver a great product and a great consumer experience, which is what Burnt is all about, um, yeah, you have to stick to a process. And sometimes it is tough to be patient. And I'm not the most patient person, you know, out there anyway to begin with. You can ask my, my children that. Um, but at the same time, if you're not patient, you tend to uh, overstep or, or, or go down the wrong path. And that's where you get the shiny object uh, syndrome showing up quite often. We are speaking with Simon Griganis, co-founder and CEO of Burnt Designs and Darcy Vane, vice president. We're going to get into some specific products in uh, just a little bit. What's happening? We'll tell you right now on This Week in Cannabis News. Time for another edition of This Week in Cannabis News with OkanaganZ.com slash OZ. 
and David Wiley is joining us from uh, the OZ. And uh, some some big news today, David, uh, about the cannabis industry is uh, shaking up the canopy. Uh, Bruce Linton out as CEO with Canopy Growth. And I, I think, well, certainly I was caught off guard by this news. It's been shock and awe from what I've been hearing. But Bruce Linton founded Tweed in 2013. It was renamed Canopy Growth in 2015 and has since become the world's largest cannabis company. And it was just a twinkle in Bruce's eye formed uh, out of an abandoned chocolate factory near Ottawa, the old Hershey, fa- Hershey factory on Smith Falls, and has since become quite a force to be reckoned with. And uh, it was announced that, that Bruce was going a different direction. He's been making the good old uh, media tour and talking to different uh, media companies and has said that it's a less of a going in different directions and more of a termination. And we're seeing that it's it's likely sparked by the the uh, the numbers, the fourth quarter numbers that Canopy released. Uh, there's quite a uh, quite a loss due to ballooning operating expenses as they're looking to expand. And the the news that Bruce has gone has has affected the. Uh, Canopy's stock in actually good way. It's been going up through the day. It's TSX, uh, it's weed on the TSX, and it's gone up by a couple of bucks through the day as people are, are digesting that news. It's it's interesting to see how fast they scrubbed Bruce from their leadership page. As I was on Canopy's website to take a look and and see whether he was still there, and nope, he's uh, he's long gone off their leadership page. So they they didn't uh, didn't have him sticking around long on there. It's going to be Mark uh, Zekulin who's moving in from co-CEO to CEO of the board. It'll be interesting to see what direction Canopy goes in now and uh, what changes they're going to make. Uh, it seemed pretty clear that that Constellation was unhappy. Constellation owns about 35% of Canopy, was unhappy with the numbers. And as we're seeing the cannabis industry become more business-driven, uh, more shareholder-driven, people want to see profits. They want to see that the company is making good revenues and uh, and not operating at a loss, especially a big one like Canopy. And it's going to be interesting moving forward how this um, the the direction that Canopy Growth goes in. Yeah, as mentioned, uh, you know Bruce co-founded this in that chocolate factory and and from a cannabis background, and then they get a five billion invest five billion dollar investment from the parent company of Corona beer and Kim Crawford wines. So, so uh, you know, starting as a cannabis company and now uh, an alcohol company uh, with a big investment and, you know, changing the direction of the company. Yeah, we're going to see them moving into the, the expanded products that we'll be seeing soon with cannabis and having a, a company like Constellation and their beverage connections backing. We'll, we'll see cannabis drinks as they come out and that's something that's going to be big in, in Canopy's future. I'm curious also to see where, where Bruce Linton goes. He was talking to CBC and said uh, that he likes to have business cards and he likes to have meetings and he likes to have a microphone to share his thoughts. And uh, in his words, there are none of those things in a hammock. So we'll see what happens to Bruce down the line. While the microphone is always open here at the Cannabis 101 podcast, if uh, Bruce would ever like to come by and chat. And, uh, I, you know, I, I've reached out to some people that I know in the industry, and there's no doubt he'll resurface somewhere. A, a lot of people are telling me it uh, might be in the United States. So we'll see if that does take place. 
All right, uh, let's get to uh, an, another story, and this is one that uh, you have at okanaganz.com slash OZ, and that is the first uh, legal cannabis purchased in the Okanagan, a historic purchase. It sure was, eight months in the making, and uh, I caught up with uh, Kiel Riche, who was the first person to buy legal cannabis in the Okanagan at Spirit Leaf's Vernon location. The thing that brought him into the store, he's actually friends with the owners, so he's been supportive of them along with a lot of other people in the community from the get-go. I asked him why it's important to be shopping at uh, at a store in your hometown, and he was he was very strong on the buy local angle. Want to be supporting our local entrepreneurs, our local businesses, and that's that's one thing that brought him out there. He uh, he bought a uh, three one gram orders. I'm always curious as to what other people are buying, and he bought the Donegal from Tweed, and he bought Great White Shark from San Rafael 71, and Mountain Kush from Peak Leaf. All pretty solid choices, if you ask me. And for him, I think he speaks for a lot of people that have been buying legal cannabis. The big thing for him was knowing what he's getting. He knows whether it's sativa. He knows whether it's indica. He knows that the amount of THC, the amount of CBD, the different terpenes, that kind of knowledge and getting to know, uh, in the words of Cypress Hill, if I can pull back an old reference, people are getting to know what they're smoking. And that's something that's important all around. It sure is. And that store took, uh, you know, about a year to get going. Will there be a domino effect, do you think? Do you think... Uh, like whack-a-mole stores will start popping up in the Okanagan Valley now more that one is there? We're hoping to see to see a bunch of stores open, and not just in Vernon. The Okanagan Valley is a big place. It stretches quite a few kilometers uh, down the valley and up the valley, and we still don't have stores in Kelowna or Penticton or Osoyoos. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing stores open closer to home for people, there, there were a lot of customers that came in from across the valley, uh, even from Kamloops, where there, there are other stores open, just to see the Spirit Leaf brand. And it's it's fascinating to watch the foot traffic. I talked to a few people who were in and out of the store, and there's quite a positive quite a positive vibe. Glad to see that we finally have a store here, and yeah, fingers crossed that there will be more to follow. Yeah, that is good news. Um, all right, uh, this is an interesting story. A lot of people that are maybe new to cannabis are hearing a lot of terms and, and acronyms, uh, THC, uh, which is the, the part that does get you high, and then there's CBD, uh, which is a component uh, that people take in uh, capsules or oils or uh, sometimes they uh, smoke it, and, and that has different kind of effects. And um, CBD is, is getting very popular, and so is something called CBG, which is cannabigerol. I think I pronounced that correctly, I'm not sure. But an Oregon CBD company, um, you know, grows a lot of hemp and they're starting to produce a lot of this. And, and CBG is another acronym that we're going to be hearing a lot of. Uh, we had a hemp guest on uh, on one of our uh, first few episodes. And uh, this is something that is going to, like CBD, get very popular down the road. Thanks for taking a crack at that pronunciation. <laughs> I certainly wasn't going to. Uh, we we are familiar with THC and with CBD. C- CBG is actually the precursor. So THC and CBD are synthesized using CBG as the starting point. And the interesting thing with CBG is that there have already been a few scientific studies, one published in the British Journal of 
pharmacology that are pointing to CBG's health benefits and, uh, and effects in, in fighting disease, particularly reducing inflammation that can produce diseases like Crohn's. Uh, it's, it's also been shown to inhibit the growth of cancer cells, something that, that we've talked about, um, something that definitely requires a lot more research. And now with legalization, that being one of the major benefits is that there will be more research done on these lesser known cannabinoids. The CBG is something that hasn't had a lot of research on and is promising, talking about it being a, a powerful partner for the treatment of glaucoma because it does it reduce that intraocular pressure and that all comes down to that reducing the inf- the inflammation there isn't much cbg available on the market whistler medical marijuana corporation does put out a strain called shiatsu kush which is uh, an indica dominant hybrid and it's uh, high in cbg and low in thc they also have an oil but beyond that, there's not much that's available yet in Canada. Well, hopefully that will change. And, and like you said, um, we're just, uh, it seems anyway, uh, we're on just the, the precipice of diving into this plant and everything that it can do. And um, we'll, well, I'm sure we'll hear a lot more acronyms and hard to pronounce names as we move along uh, <laughs> with the plant research. And finally, we're going to talk about worldwide weed. The UN is reporting that cannabis was the most widely consumed drug in the world in 2017. I know you have one issue with this study. I have an issue with it as well. Before we dive into the numbers, I don't like I don't like the term drug being associated with cannabis. I know some people do it, but it is natural. It is not produced like the drug cocaine or, you know, things like that. So I have a problem with the word drug. I just, I don't know, maybe it's something I have to get over, but I don't like when people refer to the plant as a drug. Uh, now, you have a, a issue with this study as well. I do. The idea of lumping cannabis in with things like heroin and cocaine and crystal meth, that's, that's really what this study takes a look at, the, the whole gamut of drugs. And it just seems like cannabis is out of place. They're talking about it being the most widely consumed drug worldwide. Uh, I should hope so. I should hope that more people are using cannabis than are using heroin. And, you know, opioids are causing an unbelievable amount of harm. We're seeing the crisis across Canada when it comes to fentanyl and overdoses. And to, to lump cannabis in with, with those sorts of things, uh, I think, is, is crazy. But here's here's where we find ourselves. We find Canada on the on the cusp. Well, actually, being a world leader in this industry, and as cannabis use is growing in the Americas, uh, outside of the Americas, it's plateauing or it's in decline. Asia has the lowest rate at two percent use, and our country, our lovely, wonderful country that we just celebrated with Canada Day is helping to spread the good gospel and it needs to find itself uh, being a world advocate for the of this beautiful plant yeah the numbers uh, 188 million um, use pot at some point roughly 3.8 percent of the population aged 15 to 64 consumed at least once and in canada it was 14.8% from 2011 to 2017, which was a 62% increase. So we are leading the way. Our legalization is leading the way, hopefully. 
And um, hopefully, as you mentioned, uh, those numbers in other uh, countries come up. But um, yeah, uh, let's let's uh, celebrate that people are using this around the world more uh, more than anything else, because hopefully it can some point replace some of the opiates that people have been forced to take. We're finding ourselves in an educational role and the benefits of cannabis are uh, are being explored and researched, and as more and more come out, you know, we talked earlier about CBG and how how that's going to become an emerging factor in this industry. It's it's great to see. So let's start shedding the stigma and start talking about the benefits. You betcha. You can follow uh, David and uh, Okanagan Z on Twitter at Okanagan Z and check out the website Okanagan Z dot com slash oz another great chat david look forward to next week always look forward to it thanks dean what's that strain let's find out with chris ionson nova cannabis store manager and educator Really looking forward to today's episode of What's That Strain? I'm Dean Millard. Chris Ionson is the manager of the Nova Cannabis White Avenue location, and he is our educator. Thanks for coming out, Chris. Happy to be here, Dean. All right. Uh, this is cool because uh, today's uh, strains, we're doing uh, Tangerine Dream, a sativa, and Pink Kush, uh, a pretty heavy indica from San Rafael, and they have the 420 story. Yeah, absolutely. So San Rafael... Uh, is uh, under the it's a brand under Med Relief, um, and it's their recreational side. Um, and so the story goes: in in 1971 in San Rafael, California, there was a group of five friends. Uh, they called themselves the Waldos. Um, they all went to school at the San Rafael High School, and they actually created a code word for uh, a time to meet after school when they would get high and actually search for a mythical plot of uh, illegally grown cannabis. Uh, that was actually planted by a by a member of the Coast Guard uh, back in '71, and the boys would uh, walk around school and they'd see each other in the hallway and they'd say "420 Louis, 420 Louis," uh, as in meet you at the Louis Pasteur statue in front of the school at 420, uh, where they would get high and then go and try and find this uh, this grow up. Uh, so it's uh, it's pretty pretty cool uh, story that actually just. Be- got legendary kind of like took a became a a monster in the in the cannabis world where it just uh it's 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 our culture now it's 420 is the time to to consume cannabis where people set their alarms by it now yeah that's right uh for sure even uh, my me and my stoner buddies whenever you know it's you happen to notice it's 420 just oh happy 420 that's or, right, yeah. or if you're smoking a joint at the time hey smoking a joint at 420 perfect it's just Nice little stoner culture. Yeah, and and it went viral before things were known as uh, viral, and it's just like uh, grown into this uh, monster. And you know, April twentieth is now celebrated, and uh, things like that. So that's a wonderful story that that this came from that. And there is some history uh, between uh, Tangerine Dream and and um, you know, kind of what the lineage is. Yeah, so the uh, the lineage of Tangerine Dream is uh, G13 uh, crossed with uh, Neville's uh, Haze, and uh, it's also interestingly enough, uh, there's there's a German progressive uh, electronic band uh, called Tangerine Dream. They're out there. Google them. 
All right, we'll have to check that out. Um, this was created in Amsterdam at Barney's uh, Farm. Yeah, the grow facility. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it's a legendary grow facility. I've actually I've been to their coffee shop in Amsterdam. Um, I didn't actually try the Tangerine Dream when I was there, but uh, it's a really neat place. Good place to put on a bucket list if you're going to Europe. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Amsterdam is, I think it's the coolest city I've ever been to in my life. I've been to quite a few. I just it worked for me. It's just real busy there's a uh, just a diverse uh, array of cultures there and and everyone's there just to kind of have a good time and uh and just the, those coffee shops are amazing awesome okay the thc cbd levels in tangerine dream yeah so uh the batch we got today is uh, 14.87 thc and the cbd is less than one percent okay and uh, as you mentioned i love a german progressive electoral band shares their name so maybe you could enjoy some tangerine dream while listening to uh, Tangerine Dream. I don't know. There's, I watched Real Bravo and Casablanca, man, uh, while I had those strains, <laughs> and it was so awesome. I, I actually <laughs> loved doing that. There's some cool synergy with that. So try that out sometime. I've never listened to Tangerine Dream. I'm not saying they're the best band ever, but might go well with this uh, strain. Uh, talk about the packaging. Uh, I picked this up. Uh, one. Uh, it's a one-gram sample. Uh, tell us a little bit about the packaging. For sure. So the San Rafael one gram packages, uh, they come in kind of a, a navy box. Uh, with inside the box, there's a kind of a plastic container with a uh, kind of a sticker sealed. Uh, it's like a sticker seal on top of it. So, uh, my opinion, maybe not the best package. It's a little bit bigger than it needs to be, uh, and I'm maybe not a fan of that sticker seal. So whenever I've bought in some one-gram packages, if I don't consume it all at once, if I just pack a bowl and I've still got you know quite a bit left, um, I like the idea of being able to twist a lid and, and get So you can't seal. reseal this, basically. Yeah, you can't reseal it. All right, so best if you're picking this up, and depending on how much you're picking it up and how long it takes you to go through that, to maybe have something to put it in. I, I, I transfer all my stuff to mason jars uh, right away anyway, no matter what. I just think glass and keep, you know, I like to store it properly with some uh, humidor packs. Uh, but this would be something you would want to maybe transfer to something else when you bought it. Absolutely. Most definitely. It's... Uh... What I what I like to do is I, I keep my old uh, my old packages and and there's a certain you know size that I like where yeah it's it's made for a one gram but I'll I'll throw a three and a half there you sometimes go. I've gotten seven grams into a one gram package. Wow. Um, well, and, the, some of the packaging is pretty big, so yeah. you could fit some more in there. All right, uh, the uh, the terpenes when it comes to Tangerine Dream. Yeah, the three main terpenes in Tangerine Dream uh, are myrcene, uh, which is that clovey taste and smell, uh, limonene, uh, so the citrus and lemons, uh, as well as pine, which is that piney, uh, woodsy kind of taste and smell. All right, Tangerine Dream is a sativa. Uh, what are the desired effects when uh, somebody uh, decides to consume this? I, I find it to be a mood enhancer, um, an immediate head rush too. Uh, like you're going to notice it right away. Um, and it comes with a great energy and focus. Uh, I feel like Tangerine Dream for me is, is nice on like being active, uh, uh, sports. Uh, I, I like Tangerine Dream when I when I go to play softball because uh, you know I've still got my focus on I and I still can can play well. But I find I have a lot of laughs. We you know we goof off a lot of ball, and the Tangerine Dream kind of complements that. All right, this is delicious, by the way. And uh, I'll tell you the one thing I find I uh, right away there's an orange taste to it. So yeah. is that, uh, is that yeah, something so, that you see? Yeah, for sure. Um, 
Whenever, whenever I consume Tangerine Dream, just I remember the first day that I that I got it and and cracked it. Um, as soon as I cracked that bottle, uh, it smells like a like a basket of fruit. Like it is just, it's noticeable. I, I don't think I've smelled fruitier cannabis uh, in the legal market yet. Um, and looking at it too, uh, the buds are purple. Like the buds come out with a real dark purple uh, leaves on them. And uh, yeah, just when you grind it up, it fluffs into this really nice purple fluff that. Uh, it's just amazing. Uh, Taste-wise, you should get that super fruity, the, the citrus, as well as uh, an orange zest that lingers. Uh, yeah, which definitely. You, you did yeah. mention, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, th- it's really interesting. It is noticeably dark. Like when you grind it up, I was looking at it, I'm like, did I did I grab the wrong dish here? <laughs> but it is noticeably dark, right? It's yeah. like uh, that's the one thing that you notice. So uh, that's you know something to look for when you're. Uh, um, you know, out and about and looking for something that, uh, it's really delicious, but it does have those dark purple butts, which is sometimes nice to get something a little different. Yeah, for sure it is. Uh, and, and the nice p- thing about the Sanraf too is, uh, it's reasonably priced, uh, in the rec market right now. So, um, I find you just get excellent quality cannabis for a really good price. So if you're ever in the shops and you see, you know, Tangerine Dream is, is in, uh, I would most definitely consider picking up at least a gram to try it out or get that three and a half because you're going to love it. Well, and, you know, it's the perfect 420 strain, man, because it's the guys that invented 420. So that is absolutely beautiful. Do you mind if I do it, Jay? Moving on now to Pink Kush, which is, uh, as you told me, a heavy indica. So we're going to get into that a little bit, um, but it's by San Rafael, as was the uh, Tangerine Dream. And this was uh, something that came about from MedRelief. Um, so MedRelief uh, is the uh, the parent company of, of San Rafael. And uh, actually in, in May of 2018, uh, they were acquired by Aurora Cannabis. So uh, MedRelief and San Rafael fall under the Aurora umbrella currently. Uh, it was a pretty big acquisition. It was $3.2 billion. So uh, just a little bit of change there a little bit of green for some green for sure um okay so that's interesting uh, aurora obviously a, a pretty big player and uh, the, the i love the uh the san rafael backstory so it gives uh, some neat history to it speaking of history uh where does this descend from uh yeah pink kush is uh, a descendant of og kush I, I feel like there should be some like like uh, powerful music when you say OG Kush because that is a legendary strain. That's a heavy hitter in the world of cannabis. Yeah, it sure is. Uh, big time legend, uh, OG Kush. I mean, you feel like everyone is, that's tried OG Kush is, talks about it like you do. It's just a very excitable strain that's you know, a yeah. hard hitter and, it's uh, such and a an crowd or- pleaser. Yeah, a big original, one of the best out there. So I like that at Pink Kush is a descendant of OG Kush and... Um, we've talked in the past about, uh, uh, certain strains. I think blue dream was a nice, uh, you know, starter strain maybe, uh, if I remember correctly, but, uh, you know, different, uh, strains being for beginners. This is not one that you should jump into the pool with in your first cannabis experience. Yeah. The pink kush is definitely the deep end, uh, for sure. It's, uh, Definitely a high high range THC. Um, the batch we've got uh, with us today is twenty two point nine one percent THC. So, uh, not for the not for the faint of heart. Yeah, not for the beginner, uh, and even the experienced cannabis user. You might want to, uh, uh, you know, the first time you have this, uh, just just to be in a, a good relaxing area, uh, because you're going to be deeply relaxed. We'll get to that in a second, but uh, 
the uh, the name Pink Kush. Um, you know, we we associate cannabis with green. Uh, where does the pink come in? Yeah, I think uh, the the pink comes in with uh, the pink pistols that you'll see on the, on the dark green nugs of the Pink Kush. So it's just kind of a more of a simple name to it, uh, but it works. And a good reason to you know when you get your cannabis uh, from a, a store and you bring it home, take a look at it. Uh, don't just uh, throw it in the grinder really quickly and smoke it. Explore it a little bit. Look at what do you see? What do you what do you smell? What you know after you use it? What do you taste? Get a logbook, and I, and I know lots of places give out. Um, diaries, right? And you can you can record your experience. So don't just think out of it as a green plant. Let's keep track of what you're doing and then explore it so you know what you're looking at a little bit. Yeah, uh, you said it, man. Uh, at Nova Cannabis, we actually encourage our, our uh, customers to, to take home the cards that we have with them and, and do journaling. Beautiful. So, so, you know, I'm holding in my hands right now uh, a pink Kush card. And, uh, you know, on the back here, we've got a note so you can, you, you can write your rating on it, give it a five star, but we definitely encourage like journaling your cannabis experience, uh, so you can come back to it and say, okay, what effect am I, am I looking to, you know, really relax and, and, and chill and after a long day of work, you're going to want to go with that, uh, pink cush, uh, and you'll look, look to that in your journaling. Oh, that is awesome. Uh, these come in, uh, uh, the one I have is a three and a half gram plastic tub. Uh, so similar to uh, some of the other ones that we've seen, and you can recycle that at various locations. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, we talked about the THC. This is a heavy one. What about the terpenes? What makes Pink Kush what it is? Yeah, so the four main terpenes in Pink Kush are limonene, uh, which is citrus, uh, myrcene, which is cloves, Karyophyllene, which is the black pepper, and uh, linalool, which is kind of that floral, flowery smell and taste. That's definitely you can. It it smells like a bouquet of flowers. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it really does. Um, okay, so the desired effect, and this is where the heavy indica term comes in. Uh, you know, it's high THC, and this is not one that you want to use if you have a a big night or a big day planned of activities. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not one for uh, for being active. Um, it's definitely re- uh, relaxation uh, is is the big the big thing with Pink Kush. Uh, lots of laughs too, though. There's a lot of uh, feelings of euphoria surrounding the Pink Kush because uh, it is just a nice, fun strain. Uh, for me personally, I, I call it my snoozer. Uh, I keep my uh, my hexagon bong and my Pink Kush on my bedside table, and uh, most most evenings I will. Uh, take a couple pulls uh, before bedtime and that works really well for me. Oh, that's good. Just... How, like, it, right before you go to bed or maybe like a half hour before you go to bed, do you do it? Does it vary, I guess? Uh, What's your strategy? I, my strategy, personally, uh, if I've got like a, I'll put a Netflix show on. Yeah. Uh, and that's when I'll kind of hit the, the bowl there and uh, usually within 30 minutes, I'm... You're not making it through the movie. No, yeah, no, yeah. no. It's There you go. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Okay, so uh, when we talk about the taste test, I'm going to give this uh, couch lock a try just a little bit because I do have uh, things to do today. So I'm just testing this out. <laughs> I'm not going to be getting deep into this, but uh, um, w- w- what should somebody expect when they give Pink Kush a ride? Uh, yeah, the earthy flavor for sure. That's kind of the one thing that I've noticed that really stu- stood out. Uh, it's very earthy. Uh, but then there's the bursts of fruit and the, the floral kind of... Uh, to... Very fruity, yeah. And we talked about like a uh, like a, a, a bouquet of flower, a bunch of different flowers and smells and things like that. But uh, certainly the fruity 
definitely in there. You can uh, can feel like um, it's like you're uh, biting into a juicy piece of fruit, like a pear or an apple or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you notice any uh, like berries or vanilla? Um, oh, that's interesting. Uh, I'll have to try again. That's that's one that uh, I noticed was the the vanilla that. Uh, Yeah, a little bit. Definitely fruity berries, though. Yeah. 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 So, all right. Well, I appreciate you coming out again. Looking forward to exploring more strains down the road. And uh, thanks very much for joining us, Chris. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, Dean. Thanks for having me. This is the Cannabis 101 Podcast. Your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. We are back with part of the brains behind Burnt Designs. Uh, Simon Greganis, CEO and co-founder, and Darcy Vane, vice president. And let's get into some products that you have, uh, specifically the Hexagon. Uh, I love it. Um, you know, tell me a little bit into you know how this popped into your mind to say. A hexagon bong, bong rather, uh, made out of uh, clay that you can freeze. Like, did it all pop into your mind at once, or? Yeah, I think it was uh, a kind of mix of both of, of both happy coincidences, which don't happen very often in product development, as well as uh, kind of just thinking through some of the the categories. So, obviously, clay has been around for forever. It's it's nothing new, and it was also used in bongs and. Uh, it had a lot of problems, right, with uh, with them leaking and with them being too porous, uh, and and just just general use problems in kind of your uh, more traditional uh, ceramic bongs. And, and and the way we sought out to fix that was, hey, you know, we we love the the aesthetic or or the feel of of ceramic and clay. Uh, so clay just being the the kind of the unfinished good. Um, so your, your ceramic bong, uh, mainly because, well, first of all, you can't see into it. And, you know, there, there are going to be drawbacks at the end of the day for not being able to see how much smoke you're using and so on. But, you know, we felt that the benefits behind uh, what your bong looks like and, and the, the amount of maintenance needed and so on outweighed that component of just being able to then burn through your whole bowl um, on each pole or half a bowl or whatever your preference was. So that was really where we started exploring materials and came down to working with uh, glazed ceramic as opposed to your traditional glass or some of the other materials you'd see. Uh, you know, there's silicone bongs that, you know, they don't taste the best. Uh, same with some of the, uh, the metals that you could smoke out of. Uh, we wanted to maintain as much of the taste as possible while uh, improve upon some of the shortfalls of, of glass. And, and that's really where ceramic made its, uh, you know, first approach into our product development cycle. And obviously we have, you know, other ceramic products uh, available now as well as on the way. Uh, but we just felt it was a, a really uh, fluid material in the sense that there was a lot of functional benefits uh, from the uh, the product itself, uh, just like the material chosen, and like I said, it not being uh, transparent and so on, but also just the uh, the aesthetic behind the glaze and and the faceted shapes. So we have uh, a lot of uh, geometric shapes and and designs in in our product development. Uh, Kind of category, and 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 then that's what we prioritize while we're we're designing these, and and the ceramic allowed the light to really deflect and diffuse off the multiple faces, and and allowed it to you know show off great and uh, 
show uh, both in photography as well as just kind of on your coffee table at home in a, in a really unique way. Uh, aside from that, being able to work with uh, silicone as opposed to rubber for the actual seals, so you get something that's more durable, easier to clean, um, as well as you know narrowing it down all the way uh, to the downstem on you know what's the best slip method or what's the best amount of holes to diffuse the smoke actually through the water. Uh, you know the the one thing that I hear time and time again is that you know the reason the hexagon would hit smooth aside from the fact that you could put it in the freezer and actually cool it itself is you know the downstem's a big part of that. Um, so staying on top of cleaning it, but also just the the, the actual design and the layout of the the perforations in the glass uh, greatly aid with that. Then we speak about the bowl. Um, so we started by you know breaking down your traditional bowl and kind of what features users wanted to see and 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 what wasn't needed and you know a built-in screen and as well mm, as a handle so awesome. to just be able to pull it out was was a huge component to that and it not only just keeps your your bong and your downstem a little bit cleaner but uh, it's just a lot more convenient for depending on where you are or how how fine you're grinding up your herb and so on you can you can really dial in that experience a lot easier so uh, it was it was thinking through each component or each part of of all, all our products that uh, kind of set us aside was was just that attention to detail. Um, it's no different on the vaporizer we're bringing to market. It's no different on you know the prism that we just launched, our ceramic pipe that kind of matches the the hexagon aesthetic. It's really having uh, you know a, a very little tolerance for. Uh, for errors in that final product, so you know, not just having to go to market with with a new version of it and and correct those mistakes. So it's you know that there is that agility component to making decisions quick and being able to bear those consequences. But it's it's our whole team has such a high attention to detail that you know so much of that is being caught uh, during those early stages that we're able to mitigate that you know from day one. Obviously, we'll take feedback like what I mentioned kind of before the the interview started around uh, why is there two bowls in the box right we we initially included a one got a, a lot of feedback that people were either breaking it or losing it or whatever the case may be so we just started including two and and the 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 number of inquiries we had related to bowls dropped like 80 90 percent and uh it's just finding those those little areas where we can really kind of improve the the user's experience and and the hexagon was was kind of the the first product that kind of set us aside and and showed where our core focuses were I find, uh, other than the fact that you can freeze it, which is, it, it's such a smooth hit and it's easy to clean, I find it holds a lot too. Like I, I, I've had uh, different bongs and, and you and I both had the very first bong experience uh, similar with the, the two liter pop bottle, uh, the homemade do it yourself. Uh, but I find like this, I take one hit and then the second hit, there's still a lot there. Is that, I, I don't know if that's, uh, just me. I've, I've never noticed that there's still a lot in the second hit with the, my other bongs. Yeah, there's some things, like I said, that were happy coincidences. So one of them being kind of the, the internal area and, you know, the amount of smoke that you're able to hold. Obviously, to a certain extent, we knew what it was going to be, but it's a different thing actually using it and trying it versus, you know, what right. your average person's lung capacity would be. <laughs> right. Uh, but the other happy coincidence was actually the freezer component. So uh, this came down to the relationship we had with, with our manufacturer and um the sampling that we were doing was in uh, in Portland, and I, I was down there with uh, one of the the ceramic studios we were working with, and obviously big uh, big weed state, uh, and let's just say that everyone at the studio was uh, was a big fan of uh, of cannabis in general. So awesome. uh, we got a lot of awesome feedback. But the other uh, kind of side note that they had mentioned is, hey, if you use this specific type of glaze, um, it actually makes it uh, freezer safe or 
you know, your closest definition of freezer safe, uh, which would basically mean that, you know, clay naturally expands and contracts and temperature changes. So if it heats up or if it cools down, but this glaze would prevent any, you know, leaking, cracking and so on. Um, and, and we were super excited and, and, and that ended up being, you know, a big part of the value proposition was, hey, don't use ice cubes and your ice catcher and so on and have to just deal with all that. You could literally just stick your bong in the freezer. So just set your glass aside, dump out the water, freeze the bong, you know, just under the tap, put in some water. Or if you want to measure it out, it's exactly one cup of water, throw your down stem in there and you're, you're off to the races. And uh, because the, the whole bong is frozen and the, the body of the ceramic, which is quite thick, uh, it actually retains its temperature quite well. So it's not like it's, you know, warm again in, in five minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get quite a few bowls or uh, quite a few rounds if you're uh, with a group of people out of that same frozen bong. And now you have the prism, uh, which is uh, we're going to give one of these away at the end of the uh, the interview. We'll give you the instructions there. Looks very similar to uh, to the hexagon in the shape. Tell us about the prism. Yeah, so the 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 prism was uh, a product that's been long requested by uh, our customer base as well as just new users that you know we were asking for feedback upon, and and that was hey hey I absolutely love the hexagon um, and I want something that's you know more portable or uh, easier to maintain or whatever the case may be for uh, you know owning a bong and a pipe, so something to just really complement uh, the ritual and also fill that gap of a pipe. Um, some people also find that, uh, some of our current user base apologies find that, uh, the hexagon might, you know, hit too hard. Uh, a bong isn't for everyone, especially if you're an introductory user. Um, and we had, uh, quite a, a following for the Pharaoh specifically or concrete pipe. And, uh, the aesthetic is completely different than the, the hexagon. So, uh, there was a big demand for us to make uh, a ceramic pipe that kind of matched that the geometric criteria, uh, was a lower price point. So it was more accessible to, you know, new users to cannabis consumption, or even just people that, you know, have been consuming cannabis for quite a while, but it's only, you know, a couple times a month. So, uh, a more introductory product for, for the category itself. So, Launching the the prism at a forty dollar price point was a big focus for us, um, as well as being able to keep that geometric faceted approach. So uh, the the main areas where we focus development was staying away from your traditional spoon pipe shape, where you basically just have a cylinder that's your bowl and a stick that goes uh, into your mouth. Uh, and and we wanted to kind of redefine what that shape looked like. So just like the hexagon with the the geometric uh, faceted shape to the base, as well as the neck that stems from it, um, it was a focus around uh, increasing the surface area internally uh, below the bowl so that uh, the smoke was cooler, as well as doing something a little bit more unique or different with the stem that actually uh, went from, you know, the area where the bowl is or where the reservoir is. So that was uh, a a big focus to the inspiration and the design was playing off of, uh, uh, it was actually like a LED light fixture um, that was uh, predominantly found in kind of some of your more contemporary commercial architecture, uh, like their, their actual lighting, usually in the lobby, um, plays with uh, a lot of like light diffraction and so on. So the, the prism was meant to do the same thing that the hexagon does, where the multiple angles uh, deflect light in multiple surfaces, but also uh, contour to your hand. Uh, so because it has a larger uh, reservoir, a larger base at the front of it, um, it sits more confidently in your hand. It's comfortable to hold. Uh, it, it's kind of reminiscent almost of uh, your traditional tobacco pipe 
pipes that you would smoke out of uh, while still giving a, a really smooth user experience. Um, the other part of the prism is that uh, just like the hexagon, it's glazed internally, uh, meaning that the, the, the sealant that you see, so the, the, the glaze that gives it its color, either black, red, white, and so on, uh, is on the inside. So it's, it's very easy to clean. Uh, you would basically just um, either soak it in, in ISO and salt and then just drain it out of the, the hole where the shotgun is. Or because of the the durability of the glaze, you can actually wipe the bowl clean with a wet paper towel. So the the biggest thing for users is that you know, hey, the bowl's still see through. Um, I don't want to be able to see you know all the the resin or, or residue left over after I have a bowl. Um, so the prism really allowed that to be the the easiest possible cleaning solution. Where if you don't want to dip, give it a deep clean, if you want to literally just wipe down the bowl, there is no you know. ISO needed or, or cleaning supplies. It's literally just a damp paper towel and you can get it clean like absolute brand new. Uh, so that's that's really the story behind the prism was something that, you know, like I said, was was a entry level price point, easy to clean and maintain, as well as kind of improved upon that consumption experience, both in terms of the surface area for the smoke and holding it in your hand. Cool. We're going to give one Cannabis 101 podcast listener a chance to win and we'll uh, do that at the uh, end of the interview. All right, uh, let's. You also have obviously uh, the Faro. You have some storage jars, um, the walnut uh, and and co- uh, concrete rolling trays, which are, are really cool. And, and you can find those all at uh, the uh, the burnt website. But what's on the horizon for season two? Um, a lot of uh, well, your products right now are geared towards flower, uh, Darcy. What's uh, What's on the horizon for the uh, the next step for Burnt and Season 2, as they call it in the industry, with edibles, concentrates, etc.? Yes, uh, um, you know, back in December, we, we started looking at what those new form factors and knowing that Canadians, uh, consumers and, and, you know, the existing consumer and, and the new consumer were really looking forward to, you know, the, the idea of edibles and, and, and extracts uh, that weren't available that, uh, you know, on day one of legalization. And so, you know, kind of recognizing where we play well is, is, you know, we're hardware focused. So that kind of ruled out, you know, for the time being a beverage or, or, you know, or gummy. But, you know, we started looking at where the market opportunity was and it was all around uh, extracts and, and, and vaporization technology. So, you know, in December, we're going to be bringing out our, our much awaited um, flagship product for the, the burnt vaporizers division, which is the base which is a digitally enabled uh, vaporizer device with uh, accompanying software app that gives the user complete control over their experience. Everything from, you know, understanding what strain they're they're consuming to the dose per strain to the temperature that that strain wants to be, um, you know, consumed at all, you know, to, you know, uh, to rating the strain and, and, and building into more of a, a social community as, as we go forward. The principles remain the same. Uh, you know, it's very, very strong focus on aesthetic design and industrial designs. Um, so I think the term that we've coined internally is organometric design for <laughs> this one that's coming out. Um, and recognizing that there is a, a, a strong user base and consumer base that enjoys, you know, technology enabled tools, whether it's your Nest or your Google Home. Uh, why can't we apply that to vaporizers and, and really give the control back over to the consumer to, to manage their, their whole consumption experience? So in December this year, the base vaporizer will be coming out, uh, which is a, ba- a cartridge-based system. Um, and so we've got four unique flavors and, and formulations coming to, to market at the same time. Um, and you know, it's, we're super excited to be bringing this new form factor to, to life in, in such a unique way as, as Burnt has, has done over the past year. 
so amazing. Um, you know, the technology is so great now. We have to take advantage of it. And I really like the idea of being able to uh, control uh, different things on your smartphone or whatever it, it might be, uh, but also gather some information. You and I chatted one time and I said, lots of people like steak, but there's a lot of different kinds of steak and there's a lot of different kinds of cannabis consumer out there. Uh, it's not just, I, I like cannabis. Well, what do you like about cannabis? What do you like about this? And, and gathering that information is only going to move the industry forward. That's right. And, you know, it's such a personal journey of, of tastes and preferences and how your body interacts with, with the product that coming out with an idea with, with something that allowed you to give you that complete control was, was so important for us um, so that you can better dial in your experience so you don't have those times where things may go a little bit sideways because you've consumed too much or those times where you spend a certain amount of your you know, hard-earned money and, and expecting one thing to happen and, and have it not happen. So how do we really dial in the consumer experience to say, this is what this is what we know that you want. Um, this is the control that you need, and you know this is the the form factor to do that with, which is which is the extracts. It's you know it's tough for me to figure out exactly how much THC I'm consuming per joint uh, if if I'm consuming it that way or or through a bong, where you know the the extracts give you the opportunity to you know our, our technology gives you the the opportunity to to set those parameters, you know, specifically around that. So, you know, I want to consume X amount of milligrams of THC, or I want to, um, you know, experience a, a larger cloud vapor or different flavor profiles. So, you know, blending all that together and enabling it with technology, you know, is a natural, uh, natural thing for us to do. I think that's going to be a big hit. All right, one more quick one for each of you because uh, you guys have to get back and uh, design something new right away. Uh, what has been the coolest thing of this whole experience? I, like You guys were in, featured in Rolling Stone magazine, which is, I think, pretty cool. You've probably met some pretty cool. What's the coolest thing about this this journey for you? What, what is there one thing that stands out? That's a really tough question. Uh, that might take a minute to think about. <laughs> um, the coolest thing, uh, I'd have to say it's been the the journey behind the base. Uh, maybe it's twofold. Uh, there's there's kind of one more uh, personal experience that was a favorite and then more one more business focus. So in terms of the business itself, um, being to uh, being able to bring this product to life that really uh, changes the the category behind vaporization is not just of extracts but of flour. Really, that's been you know predominantly dominated by packs for so long. Uh, being able to bring something that's you know offering a, a unique value proposition and and uh, you know poking the big player in the space uh, from 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 a vaporizer side of things is has been a really memorable moment I'd say for myself and I, I think for Darcy as well, it's it's really an eye opener for uh, kind of what a, a team of, of focused individuals can do um, and, and what vision can be brought to life. That that, that, that's, that was a big piece to it. So actually seeing the, the software come to life and the hardware and, and the formulations and, and, and really just the execution upon that vision is probably one of my all-time favorites. Did you, uh, did you, did you do the Frankenstein It's Alive uh, <laughs> as, a, as a group? Basically. <laughs> yeah, I think the, the words when the protocol type arrived was it works it works <laughs> exactly all the, you can see the you know the engineer team and the software team and everyone waiting for that that response of like oh it's working fine and there's yeah. there's no major bugs or anything <laughs> right. like that 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 was a big moment uh, but just on a kind of a, on a side note and once again this is a little bit smaller than that but uh rolling stone actually wasn't um one of the most memorable pieces for me i think it actually just happened uh 
what, about three weeks ago. And that was when we were rolling out uh, our influencer strategy for the Prism launch. So obviously the uh you know our, our play is, is big on social and and we have a big following on social that you know we we really lean on for for our fan base and being able to see some of the influencers that you know we were sending out products to versus you know where we began i remember um initially when we first started out the company it was it was trying to find the right influencers and the right users of the product not even for for sponsored uh you know support or anything like that like it was bootstrapped right it was us and the founders that put in our our capital to be able to build a company from the ground up we literally had to hunt and, and find the right fits of people that were just you know they had a following on whatever social platform and they were willing to give some honest feedback because we just didn't have the marketing dollars to spend on on promotions and you know it's the same thing today uh our influencer strategy you know it it, it wasn't sponsored it wasn't paid and seeing some names like you know director x and some of the 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 crew over at uh exo in toronto and and everyone uh at, at west as well some of the bigger names that that I, I won't spoil the surprise on out west um I, I think that was a real eye-opener moment of like kind of how far the the brands developed that you know we're able to collaborate and, and work with some of these really big brands you know if it be um you know in the kind of the hip-hop industry if it be more in kind of art and design all the way down to being able to work with you know tweeting canopy on, on on that collaboration and some of the other lps we're working with uh behind the scenes right now they'll be launching in uh, q4 as well it's th th that's really the the eye-opener i think that kind of triggered it for me is sometimes you take a step back and you know we're so uh dialed in and, and moving quick that sometimes it's nice to take that step back and kind of just uh have that realization of of how far we've come from you know the initial product to you know software enabled tools that's awesome darcy last one for you how do you think um and this is i'm not sure sure from a business perspective or from a personal side but how do you think we're doing as a nation with legalization we are coming up to um you know let's not get there too fast because we want to enjoy summer but in the fall it'll be one year and then season two um what do you think as a nation how do you think we're doing yeah, I think, you know, the, my perspective on this is is one of um, expectations. You know, I think there is a, a massive expectation on the country of what we deliver on day one. Um, whether it was realistic or not is, is another thing. And a lot of, the, you know, the industry players kind of got, um, you know, penalized because of those expectations. Where where we see it now is, you know, we're, we're starting to learn uh, about this industry and learn, you know, whether you're you're growing it um, at scale or, or on a small craft size is, is a totally different game. Um, I think the way that we, we introduced the regulatory uh, framework around it was pro possibly one of the smartest things that, that has been done. Um, you know, you could see that uh, the concerted effort to learn from other jurisdictions who had who had gone, uh, you know, ahead of us, um, not necessarily at a federal level, but on you know down in the states and what was happening there. So I think taking those those pieces into into fa into um, uh, you know taking them in you know in stride to to figure out what this industry could look like and how we could be leaders in it is you know was essential. The rollout was the rollout, uh, you know, ranging from, you know, the, the, the availability of product and, and there's going to be hiccups. You know, I think that that's the biggest thing that, you know, I keep saying is the expectations, you know, individuals and, and groups have on, on certain industries or individuals is, is far, you know, you know is, is too far ahead. You know, it's an, it's an early days and, you know, we have to be a little bit more forgiving and understanding of, of what it takes to, to do some of this, um, especially, you know, with the mindset of, you know, the idea of, 
stamping out the black market, um, you know, keeping it away from kids. You know, I think the, the fact that, you know, we have a regulated alcohol industry that this could mirror very well is, is foundational to, to cement ourselves as leaders. And I think, you know, by, by maintaining that regulatory regime and, and building upon it and learning as an industry on how to work within it, we can be world uh, leaders and, and recognized as that for bringing this, um, this product to, to the market in a safe and, and responsible way. Excellent stuff. Uh, Simon, Darcy, thank you so much for uh, coming out here. I really appreciate it. Uh, really looking forward to the base uh, in December and uh, whatever the future holds for you guys. Thanks so much. Thanks for having thank us. Thank you for having us. So now to the moment you have all been waiting for. How can you get your hands on the prism from Burnt? It's pretty simple. We're giving away one of these and we'll announce it next week. But this is what you have to do. And there's not a lot of work to it. You follow Burnt Designs on social media. That's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at uh, BRNT Designs. Remember, Burnt is B-R-N-T, not B-U-R-N, like that. So it's at Burnt Designs. And follow us on Twitter, at The Cannabis 101. You can also follow us at The Cannabis 101 Podcast on Instagram and at Cannabis 101 Podcast on Facebook. But uh, make sure you're following us, the Cannabis 101 on Podcast on Twitter, at the Cannabis 101, and make sure you're following Burnt Designs, at Burnt Designs on Twitter. And once you follow both of us, tweet at both of us and simply tell us, what color would you like the prism to be? And we're talking about the prism that you could be winning. Would you like red? white or black so it's simple follow us on twitter follow burt designs on twitter and tell us what color of prism you would like and if you're the winner we'll be in touch and you're going home with a beautiful prism from burt designs you got a joint uh no not on me man <laughs> it'd be a lot cooler if you did Time now for Cannabis Characters. Dopest dope I've ever smoked. Celebrating the best from fictional 420 film. Hey, I am your soda. <laughs> and beyond. Heavy girl with that, man. Is it heavy stuff, man? So as mentioned off the top of the show, our cannabis character today is Brian Griffin from Family Guy. He's up against uh, the man, Tommy Chong, from Up in Smoke in our Cannabis Characters Cup first round matchup, a first matchup of the official tournament. So I don't think Brian Griffin is going to win that matchup, so I thought I'd give him a little bit of love as far as the character in our cannabis characters. Uh, so it's Brian Griffin from Family Guy. He's the talking dog. Um, he's a boozer, um, you know, plays the field, thinks he's a, a ladies' man, and he likes the cannabis, uh, particularly in the episode entitled 420. Uh, Brian smoking a bong at home. Joe, the police officer, their next door neighbor, comes over to get a uh, drug test, which is part of apparently Brian's probation. Uh, he then turns to um, the baby Stewie, who can uh, also talk. And thinks, well, I'll get some clean urine from Stewie. Lois, Stewie's mother, catches them in the act. Brian, is this how you're trying to pass your drug test? By stealing a baby's urine? My God, that is just sick. No, what's sick is making marijuana illegal when it's been proven that it does less damage to you than alcohol. 
Amen to that, Brian Griffin. Preach the gospel. So he's factually correct. Uh, alcohol is worse for you than uh, cannabis, for sure. Cannabis is actually good for you. There are medical benefits. So Brian factually correct, and it's Lois actually that convinces him he's got to shake things up, uh, like the martinis that he drinks so often on the show. Brian, when you have to go to these lengths just to get away with smoking pot, it's time to make a change. You're right, Lois. It is time to make a change. Thank you. It's time for Quahog to legalize marijuana. So Brian jumps on the soapbox of legalization and heads to a park full of people, gets on a stage on a platform with a bullhorn, and starts preaching to the masses. No more oppression. We as American adults with free will have the right to use marijuana if we choose to. Enough government profiteering under the guise of morality. Enough with this phony war on drugs. There are some good talking points there, but it was crickets. Nobody listening. Like a bad speech at a wedding. And trust me, I've been there. I've given those. Nobody is paying attention. So Stewie steps in, saves the day in the only way he knows how a musical production called A Bag of Weed. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. A bag of weed, a bag of weed. Oh, everything is better with a bag of weed. It's the only help that you'll ever need because everything is better with a bag of weed. Have a go, Brian. As Mr. H.L. Mencken said, the common man's a fool. And as you would expect, Brian and Stewie gained a lot of attention with their song, and the weed that was available and their plan works as the mayor, voiced by the late Adam West, proclaimed. As mayor of Quahog, I hereby sign into law the legalization of marijuana. Good evening, everyone. Our top story, marijuana is now legal. Le- le- is now legal. Legal in Quahog. And it's made everything just so great. See, Lois, tell me things in Quahog aren't better now. It's just weird, Brian. I still don't think I'm comfortable with the whole idea. Look, Lois, ever since marijuana was legalized, crime has gone down, productivity is up, and ratings for Doctor Who are through the roof. So there you have it. Brian Griffin is our cannabis character today. He from the very funny show Family Guy. Not sure he's going to win his matchup with the man, Tommy Chong from Up in Smoke in our Cannabis Characters Cup, but we give Brian a little love today. Time now for Tools of the Trade. Is this this a dream? dream? The latest and greatest in cannabis accessories. So today for Tools of the Trade, I'm talking about hemp wicks, and uh, you know about hemp, and you know about wicks, They light candles, you combine the two of them, you get a really good burn, and that's how I light, whether it's a joint, a pipe, or a bong, uh, anything I am using that is uh, uh, using combustion, I use a hemp wick. You can find them at a lot of head shops, you can find them at a lot of uh, cannabis retail stores, and the purpose of it is you're just not inhaling as much butane. Um, Some people will say, well, you have to light it somehow, but if you light the wick, let it burn off, for a second or two, that butane burns out and you're just inhaling less butane. No butane, really, at all. Uh, this is something that for uh, cannabis users that that use a lot of c- cannabis and smoke a lot of it, this is something you should look into. I've noticed my uh, lungs have actually improved uh, since I started using this. And you can get a lot of things. You can just wrap one around a lighter. You can just, uh, they come in these uh, really cool designs in the retail shops, they look like uh, almost like uh, tiny baskets. 
and it's just a, a giant wick. You could just uh, you know cut a piece of that and have it lying around and hold it. Or you can get actual uh, lighters that uh, have notches on them where you wrap the wick around as much as you want, and then it's on your lighter. The lighter fits in the case, and it goes through a little hole at the top and uh, comes out right above where the flame hits. So I picked one up at Shellshocked. Uh, they're really cool, and it just allows you to be a little bit more healthier, in my opinion. Bud, dope, flower, ganja, Mary Jane. We all have our own language when it comes to cannabis. Herb, John Lennon, plant, tie stick, salad. So let's explore another weed word of the day. Samuel L. Jackson, the Hobbit's Leaf, Lady Gaga, 420. All right, in weed word of the day, uh, this is where we just kind of examine different, uh, you know, terms or slang when it comes to cannabis, marijuana, whatever it is. Uh, a couple of ones for today. Uh, sticky icky. Yeah, this is kind of neat. Like uh, icky for me was uh, icky woods of the Cincinnati Bengals when I was growing up, uh, lost to the 49ers in the uh, Super Bowl. And that's what I thought of Icky, Icky Woods, the Icky Shuffle. A Sticky Icky, though, is uh, a cannabis bud that has ample resin in the trichomes, and it's known as a uh, Sticky Icky or Sticky Weed, a sticky substance produced by the cannabis plant. Resin uh, acts as an external immune system and kind of the, uh, the brain's, the communication network for the plant. Trichomes... Uh, if you, that's another term that you will hear a lot of, especially on this show. They're tiny hair-like crystal growth that holds the resin together. It keeps it all intact. And it's kind of like of uh, uh, warding off uh, animals and, and bugs and things like that, uh, especially animals. They're, trichomes, um, they have a really bitter taste and the smell is really, really strong, so... Uh, that makes cannabis plants and flowers not very appealing to a lot of animals. So this is also a little pop culture uh, fame too with uh, Sticky Icky as uh, Snoop Dogg um, tweeted about it a little bit. And it was a prominent feature in one of Ludacris's songs released in uh, 2009. So uh, Snoop and Ludacris both loving the Sticky Icky. Another term you might hear is broccoli. And this is cool. Broccoli, obviously very good for you. And... Uh, Cannabis also as well, but it's kind of made Facebook a little bit upset. In May, Facebook provided a new technology that they said would help the social networking platform flag images of marijuana that resemble broccoli. The changes were made so that marijuana-related advertising could be monitored. Who comes up with the term broccoli, though? That's uh, another bit of a problem, you might say, uh, disagreement. Kodak Black in uh, 2014 says he coined the phrase. Uh, Black even went on to accuse rapper Lil Yachi and Dram of stealing his creation when they released their song Broccoli in 2016, while rapper E-40 says the credit belongs to him. He started calling mer medical marijuana broccoli because it's green and bushy, and he was, uh, you know, obviously thinks he is the one that came up with it. So it's kind of interesting. Um, people try to take credit for different terms. And then finally, the term chronic. This has actually a pretty funny story. You've heard people talk about the chronic. 
what it means is high quality weed, like the stuff that you really, really want. And the story goes is that Snoop Dogg uh, used this in the 90s. And then a lot of other guys started using it. Dr. Dre for his album, The Chronic, obviously. Uh, but it turns out this is how Snoop Dogg came up with the term chronic. He was at a party and had misheard that uh, marijuana had been growing. Uh, it was said hydroponically. And this was in uh, the early 90s. He thought they said hydrochronic instead of hydroponic and shortened the word. And it was actually hydroponic. And Snoop said they misrepresented it, saying it the wrong way. And so that's how chronic came to be. Who knew? Uh, Snoop Dogg, obviously, a uh, pretty big person in the culture of cannabis. And um, we need more of those. Uh, obviously, Seth Rogen and, uh, of course, Tommy Chong. Uh, big, big uh, personalities in the cannabis industry. And the more, the merrier. All right, this has been a really fun show. Uh, I like I really like to thank uh, Simon Greganis and Darcy Vane from Burnt for coming in studio with me. Remember, if you want to win a Prism pipe, uh, follow us at the Cannabis One Hundred and One. Follow them at Burnt Designs on Twitter, and uh, follow them on their other social media platforms. They are terrific on social media. But follow us both at the Cannabis One Hundred and One, at Burnt Designs. And tweet at us both and tell us which color you want your prism in. Red, white, or black. And you could be enjoying a very cool, functional, and great-looking product. Also, of course, I'd like to thank David Wiley from OkanaganZ.com slash OZ for joining me on This Week in Cannabis News. And Chris Ionson, our educator in What's That Strain. We featured San Rafael 71, the gang behind the term 420. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back again next week looking for more great cannabis stories. Uh, subscribe, review, and tell your friends. And remember, it's not just about getting high, it's about getting healthy. is the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Mm-hmm.